0: Today we're going to continue our series on digging deeper, and I want to help us to understand how we get ready to study the Word of God. It's not just a matter of reading the Bible. Now please hear me, reading the Bible is wonderful and we need to read it and read it and read it because repetition is the mother of learning. However, if we're going to study, we have to do like with any other kind of study and that is put some work into it. Study is not easy. As a matter of fact, it is much easier many times to be out visiting for a pastor and drinking coffee with someone and ministering to someone and serving someone. Now, I know that's difficult at times. I've been a pastor for 47 years. I understand that. But I can also tell you that when you're in the languages and you're working those languages and you're reading theology and you're comparing Scripture with Scripture, the enemy of our souls does everything he can to keep us from doing that because he understands that if pastors get in the Word of God, the Word of God will get into them. The same with teachers, the same with any of us who love Jesus and want to follow him. There's going to be any kind and every kind of distraction to keep us from studying. Ezra understood this. Ezra, the great priest and scribe. In Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10, it was said about Ezra, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. That is Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10. Now look at that. Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. Now, he didn't have to go seek to find it. He had copies of it. After all, he was a sofer, a scribe, as well as a priest. And he wrote copies of the Word of God, his own personal copy of the Word of God. He wrote it out with his own hand, copying meticulously, line by line, letter by letter. But Ezra knew that Israel had gone into exile a hundred years earlier because of their disobedience. And Ezra believed and did something about what he believed He believed that Israel went into exile because of their illiteracy in the Word of God, the law, the prophets, and the writings. He believed that Israel was ignorant of the law of God, and he also believed that those that did know it were not obeying it. They were living as though the law did not exist, much like many Christians today are nothing more than practical atheists. Now, what do I mean by that? I'm telling you, we live sometimes as though God doesn't exist, as though we don't even believe in God. It seems that when we talk with God, it's a last resort. When we ask for healing, it's a last resort. When we get up of a morning, we've got to do everything in the world before we settle down enough to read the word of God. What I'm telling you is many Christians go from Sunday to Sunday or month to month or year to year who name the name of Jesus, who say they're followers of Jesus, but their life by looking at them, the way they live, the way they talk. And I'm not talking about cursing and being ugly and being immoral. I'm talking about just ignoring God, spending time doing everything else in the world except study. Because you see, the enemy of our souls, the devil himself and his demons and everything that's in our flesh and the entire world tells us, that we just don't have time for God. Isn't it amazing that we have time for everything else except God and His Word? And the podcasts right now are going through the roof. You know why? It's the first of the year. It's just like the gyms, they're full. But it seems like that we just do not prepare our hearts to stay after it. Our generation has lost its stick And so this is what Ezra is talking about. He said they went into captivity and into exile and God destroyed the first temple simply because the people were living in ignorance and disobedience. And when we are not as children of God walking with God, it's usually ignorance or arrogance or both. That is, we don't know the word of God, so we don't know what pleases God. And then if we do know it, we're arrogant and believe that we don't need God except when we get in trouble and then we try to use him as a crutch. And so Ezra prepared his heart to seek God. And that takes effort. That takes commitment. That takes staying after it. And so he said, not only did he seek to know the law of God, but to do it and to teach Israel to do it. And so Ezra is the one that devised the Torah portion. Now, if you don't know what the Torah portion is, look it up. The Jewish Torah. Torah portion. And you'll see that once every year, the Jews read through the entire books of Moses, all five books. They read through it chapters each week. Every Jew in the world is reading the same chapters. They will study the Torah many times from the days of Ezra. They don't go more than three days not reading aloud and studying the Bible. Not more than three days. In other words, on Shabbat, you study it and then on Monday you study it, then on Thursday you study it, then on Shabbat you study it. Those are the days of the reading of the Torah portion of study. Those are the days, by the way, the bar mitzvahs and the bat mitzvahs, when sons and daughters become children of the covenant, all of that is done on special days. Now, I'm telling you that because it involves ritual. You see, if you're going to continue to dig in the Word of God, you've got to discipline yourselves to do it on a routine and regular basis. I have to do that. I have to put other things aside, and people sometimes fuss at me and say, you know, well, you're spending too much time doing that, but they love it when I bring out the fruit of the Word of God by the power of the Spirit, and that doesn't come by lackadaisically getting into the Word, lazily getting into the Word of God. You don't coast into a relationship with God. You don't coast into fellowship with God. It takes deliberate discipline and effort, and again, that has almost dropped out of the Western Christian vocabulary. And so how do we do it? Well, I've been telling you how I believe that you can do that and do it profitably and do it to your advantage. And what is helpful in learning the tools of Bible study. I gave you guidelines. Yesterday, we dealt with the reality that the Bible is a Jewish book. It is written by Jews, to Jews, primarily for Jews. You can go back and listen to that again. But the thesis that I have taught now for years is is that the Bible is filled with assumptions. That's right the Bible is filled with assumptions now that sounds like heresy but it's not and let me explain to you every Bible writer from Moses to John believed or assumed if you will that everyone they were writing to understood the language the the history, the geography, and the cultural customs of that day. They knew the illustrations, they knew the idioms that were used in language and throughout the Bible. And so the Bible was filled with assumptions. And when the Bible mentioned some place, they assumed that everyone knew where that place was. When they mentioned some practice, they assumed everyone knew what that practice was. And the reason we don't is because we're not Jewish and we didn't grow up as Jews. And many Jews who are secular, they don't know that as well. But anyone who grew up in an observing Jewish home knows much of the Bible. This is why I believe that when a Jewish person comes to know Jesus as his Messiah, it's like all of that is just downloaded automatically into his mind because if he grew up in a religious home, he already knows what Passover is. He already knows what unleavened bread is. He already knows what a Nomer is. He already knows what Shavuot, Pentecost is, what the Yom Teruah, the blowing of the trumpets is, Yom Kippur and tabernacles, Sukkot. Now, they may not know its deep, rich significance because they may not have studied that. They certainly wouldn't know what it is related to Jesus, the Messiah, and the fulfillment of biblical prophecy related to it, but they go immediately to the head of the class, and the reason is is because they already have the Cultural background. They already have the history. They already know the geography. And they definitely know the language. And so many of those things just come natural, it seems, but it's not. It's supernatural. So the Bible is a Jewish book written by Jews to Jews, primarily for Jews. And every Bible writer from Moses to John assume that the people to whom they were writing understood the language, the history, the geography, and the cultural customs of the day. So the Bible is filled with assumptions. Let me give you another one to remember, another line to remember, another principle to remember. The Bible is not complete in details. Now that goes with the last statement. But the apostle John, for instance, he said many other miracles that did Jesus do that were not written in this book. He said, I suppose if I were to write down all that Jesus said and did, and certainly the ramifications and the results of all that he did, he said the world couldn't contain the books. You see, John, for instance, to give you a good book illustration, John wrote to show that Jesus is the Son of God. So he chose, after his introduction in chapter 1 of Jesus being the great creator of heaven and earth, the great spirit God who robed himself in flesh, incarnate, that is, he became flesh and dwelled among us, He is the very essence of who God is. And the scripture says that he became man. And then in chapter 2, it begins with his first miracle. So John picked out, out of all the miracles that Jesus did, John picked out seven signs, uh, samion is the Greek word, uh, seven miracles that Jesus did that only God could do. No prophet could do those things. No man could do those. Only God could do. And he also picked out seven discourses or seven sayings that Jesus said that only God could say. After all, he said, I am. I am the one that was in the burning bush. I am the one that spoke to Moses. I'm the one that created the world. I'm the one that was dealing with Abraham. I am the one that, and he went all the way through the Bible when he said, I am. And he claimed to be the son of God. And let me tell you, C.S. Lewis was right. And we need to grab hold of this. Either Jesus is who he said he was, the son of God, the Messiah, or he's the biggest liar that ever lived. Because if indeed he knew he wasn't God and he was deceiving others, then he's a liar or he's a lunatic. He really believes he was the son of God, but he wasn't. Well, then he is a lunatic, and nobody deserves to follow him. He's not a good example if he knew all of that or didn't know all of that. He cannot be just a good moral example. He cannot be just another prophet because he didn't give us that choice. He said, I am God. I am the Son of God. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So you see, we have to take what he says, or he is nothing of what he says. And so John proved that he's the son of God by what he did and what he said. You see, a lot of people say a lot of things, but they don't do it. Jesus said it and then did it, or he did it and then explained why he did it. This is so fascinating to me. And the greatest miracle of all, after he had done all of the seven signs and the seven sayings, The greatest miracle of all is they put him in a tomb after they had crucified him. And after three days, he came out alive again, never to die again. That had never been done in human history. And Jesus is the first fruits of that. That means that others will do that because he did. So as you read through the Bible, you have to understand the Bible's not complete in details. It's not a movie script. It doesn't say interstage right, interstage left. The disciples were crestfallen. The disciples were this, that, the other. It doesn't give you all of these scripted details. There's just a lot of assumption in the Bible. And so as you read through the Bible, understand that there is more to learn honestly I'm not being a liberal, I'm not being woke, I'm not being some crazy person. There is more to knowing God than just reading the English Bible. Now, you can know the plot, you can know the main characters, you can know all that you need that pertains to godliness. But if you want to study in order to teach, to order to know more about God, to know the nuances and shadows and all of the color and the multifacets of who God is and what child of God doesn't want to know more about who God is and how he works and how he moves and how he speaks. All of that is by digging in and digging deeper. And that means not just knowledge. We don't just hear the word. We have to do the word. We have to live it out. And once we know it, and we begin to live in obedience, regular obedience to God, then we must turn around. We must turn around and teach it. When God teaches us something, we need to let it season in our lives and then turn around and teach it to someone else. That's the best way to solidify it in every one of our minds. So when God teaches you something, turn around, live it out, and then teach someone else. That's the way we grow. That's the Ezra RISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.